0: This is Cold War Conversations. If you're new here, you've come to the right place to listen to first hand Cold War history accounts. Do make sure you follow us in your podcast app or join our emailing list at coldwarconversations.com. In this episode, we welcome back Gillian Cox, who told us about her student trip to East Germany in 1989. The story continues with her trip further east into Poland. At this point, Poland's communist Polish United Workers' Party had abandoned its monopoly of power in April. Elections in June 1989 resulted in the Free Trade Union solidarity securing 35% of the seats available to it, with the remaining 65% divided between the Polish United Workers' Party and its satellite parties. The first round of voting took place on the same day that the Chinese Communist government unleashed the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Before we start, I'd like to thank our latest Patreons, Brendan and Daniel Neville, who are supporting the podcast with their monthly donations starting from a pound or a dollar. Just head over to ColdWarConversations.com and click on the Support the Podcast menu option to learn more. If that's not your cup of tea, then you can also help by leaving a review in iTunes or with your favourite podcast provider. It really helps us get new guests on the show. So, back to today's episode. We join my Cold War conversation with Gillian Cox as she crosses the East German border into Poland. What was the crossing like into Poland?
1: Oh, that took forever. We were on a night train... From West Berlin. And so, of course, first we had to cross into East Germany. That wasn't a problem. You know, it was jing, 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 jing with everybody's passports. Crossing from East Germany into Poland, they held the train at the border for what felt like eternity. It was late at night. It was dark. It really felt like the stuff of nightmares because you'd hear the, uh, the uh, border guards banging on people's the uh, yeah, carriage door, you know, open up, passport control, and I don't know, it, it felt really eerie. And it didn't help that it was probably about 11 o'clock at night. And guy comes up, He's got the flashlight and it was me and one of my classmates and so there they were taking our passports, you know, stamp, 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 stamp stapled the visa to it, hand everything back and for the life of me, I could not get back to sleep because I'd almost fallen asleep and then the train just jerked to a stop and I thought, oh, this isn't good. So we finally pulled into Krakow at, oh, probably six thirty seven o'clock in the morning. And because of all of the coal dust, you literally couldn't see the platform. It was that smog. Yeah,
0: because Krakow has the big uh, Novahuta uh, steelworks, yes. isn't it?
1: Yes. I mean, we got off right at Novahuta. And I remember it took a minute for my eyes to adjust and I thought, Where am I? Uh you know, okay. Is it gonna be take ten paces and then practically get your ass shot off? Pardon my you know, pardon my language, but that was how it felt. <laughs> and so finally I I found out who I you know, who the Hosting person was going to be for me and I think one of the other girls, and she took us back, like, back to her place, and you know she was one of these lovely Polish women, and of course, first thing she asked was, "Do you need anything to eat?" And you know, the two of us were just like, "Ah, uh, I don't know, neither one of us has slept," and apparently, her husband had a little black market business going, so she had hard currency. <laughs> and so she went to the black market with us, and we picked up some food for breakfast, and I thought, this is so weird. Okay. Yes, the country is changing probably by the minute. And, yeah, we're buying breakfast at the black market stall. All right. Keep going, keep going, whatever. Keep it moving.
0: So you're in uh, Krakow. What what did you see there?
1: Uh, well, in Krakow, of course, St Mary's, the uh, lovely, the uh, lovely square that, of course, is now full of shops. Then not so much. Uh, we went to Auschwitz. That actually happened the afternoon of my twentieth birthday. And that coincided with uh, Czechoslovak Unity Day, October 28th. So I remember we got back from having seen Auschwitz. And we were in this uh, restaurant bar around St. Mary's Square. And uh, we'd just gotten done eating dinner. And we went over to, to part of the place that was a little bit more of a bar. And the uh, person who had been guiding us around Krakow was this really sweet Polish guy. And apparently he had some Czechoslovak friends who had come into town. And their main objective was, okay, we can celebrate Czechoslovak Unity Day. Well, this guy points out that it was my birthday. So these two Czech guys come up. It's like, well, we hear that there is a birthday in the house. And I said, uh, really? Really? And it's yours. Oh, yes. Why, thank you. And that was when I was introduced to Polish Vodka. And, uh, yes, it was quite a night. And I have to say that that was also when I learned that Polish people are wonderful. They are lovely. They are friendly.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lipson Ads. Go to LipsonAds.com now. That's L I B S Y N dot com.
1: And I had a wonderful time there. And then I think it was the next afternoon we went on to Warsaw. And uh, I recall that when we were in Warsaw, Um, I was, myself and one other girl, we were assigned to this this group of basically two or three young guys who were sharing an apartment in downtown Warsaw in this horrific Soviet-style apartment block with the world's most rickety elevator and the worst telephone system ever. I mean, you had better luck going ahead and banging on your friend's door to say, hey, we're going around round the bar tonight Then you were, say, actually calling them up because the phone system in Poland was terrible. And, of course, these guys, when they found out that I was carrying the decent music, they wanted to go ahead and roll it because their fourth friend, whose name escapes me, uh, actually ran the black market store that had the music. Like, oh, we're gonna go ahead and roll and uh, roll your tapes. Do you mind if we saw them on the black market? Go ahead, <laughs> expose everybody, please. The world needs more good music in more places.
0: Well, and did any of your your hosts talk about politics at all? Because um, at that time, Solidarity would have been in coalition with the um, with the communists. Well,
1: at that point, everybody was talking about. I'd say solidarity. People were talking about also the fact that you could probably in some cases get a better deal on something on the black market than you could in one of the Polish shops. The exchange rates in Poland were absolutely off the charts. If you had, say, $5 American, depending literally upon which part of the street you were on, you would end up Getting anywhere between, oh, 20,000 zlotys and 40,000 zlotys for that $5 American. It was crazy. I mean, I recall stuffing the inside pocket of the jacket I was wearing with practically worthless zlotys and thinking, oh, was this what German inflation looked like in 1922? And I thought, all right, Poland is changing literally by the second. And yes, there are things you can buy with the zlotys, but you're better off trying to find out if you can go ahead and buy it with Deutsche Marks, dollars, francs, whatever the heck else, because zlotys were literally unwieldy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in in Warsaw, what were the? Did you go? into the palace of culture and the sites like that
1: we spent some time in the palace of culture uh we also i you know we I spent a lot of time just basically wandering around in warsaw because i you know because once again the weather was absolutely terrible it was raining a lot i mean we're talking late october early November, so of course it was raining, it was cold. I, I recall going to the Forum Hotel to have lunch because you could actually get decent food there if you had hard currency. So at one point, myself and two or three of the other American students, because, again, the uh, food that we were getting in Poland, as it was, say, in East Germany, there were certain things you just didn't want to trust. Because it was, no, I better not eat that because I do not want to have a case of a stomach virus in a foreign country that might not have the same equipment as, say, West Germany. If I've got to get sick, I'd rather be sick there than here. And so we really were not eating all that much until we went to the Forum Hotel where we knew we could get something decent and what was funny was that we had this huge lunch, and I think between the four of us, it came to a grand total of maybe twenty dollars. Yeah.
0: And and so you you also went to Gdansk. How how was Gdansk?
1: I loved Gdansk. I mean, I have to say that was that was also uh, where family that I stayed with I think that they have had some I, you know fairly high level privileges because the girl's father was an engineer of some sort and I recall that first of all their house was probably the warmest place that I stayed in all of Poland just in terms of oh you can actually go ahead and get hot water in the shower and it actually stays hot. Oh my, thank God. (laughs) You don't realize how much you miss hot water until you end up, I'd say, behind the Iron Curtain for a period of time. And yes, the water starts out hot, but boy, does it get cold quickly. Yowch. (laughs) And uh, for that matter, they also had cable television there, which astounded me. And a late model Lada. I mean, they they had, I think, a 1987 or 1988 model Lada. And I actually had the chance to drive the darn thing around the block. And I have to say the steering on that Lada was tight. And the other thing is, I'm not a very big person, and then I was probably even smaller than I was now, you know, and say I am now, I had to throw my entire weight on the clutch in order to shift gears. Quite an experience.
0: Yeah. So, so you think that the, the family you were staying with, the, the father was a party member or something like that? Yes,
1: I, I definitely think so, because uh, the house they had was uh, beautiful, well-heated. Um, and I know that the daughter, who was, I'd say, probably about my age, she evidently had the good makeup she was sporting a pair of levi's jeans had a pair of reebok sneakers and i thought mm-hmm. okay now we see the difference yes okay
0: yeah and did did they did they talk at all about solidarity or politics a
1: little bit i i remember that the, the daughter was very excited because uh she had mentioned that she had managed to get I, you know, something that was a little bit better than just a black market bootleg tape of some David Bowie music. And and she said, no, it's actually pretty clear. Finally, it's something better than one of those bootleg black market tapes. And also she knew English. And I thought, okay, she's been to probably one of the better schools where you go if you're a little bit higher up. All right, again, the difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when, uh, when when you were in Gdansk, did you uh, visit the uh, Westerplatte?
1: Um, I don't remember if we went there. I do remember that we went over to the Shipbuilders Memorial and we went around St. Bridget's Church because that had been – the headquarters of the Solidarity Movement. And
0: Hi, this is Rhonda in Virginia, and I support Cold War Conversations because I think the work that Ian is doing is critically important. I think it's vital to record the firsthand accounts of people who lived and experienced the Cold War um, because it illustrates history in a way that a book never can. So thank you so much for the podcast. It's my favourite podcast and I look forward to it every week. To be like Rhonda and help to preserve these incredible stories of the Cold War, as a monthly or annual supporter, you'll be able to listen ad-free, you'll become one of our community, get the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster as a thank you, and you'll bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to com slash donate to find out more.
1: You know, I thought, wow, you know, this is where it all got going. I am impressed. It's still here. This is cool. And, of course, because at that point, like Valenza was a huge figure. I I can't remember if he was in jail then or not because, you know, and at that point, as I recall, like, Valenta was in and out of jail a lot, as well as Václav Havel. He was in and out of jail in Czechoslovakia. And there were a lot of other people who, I'd like, say, later on became major political figures.
0: Yeah, I think by, by my estimation, at the point you were there, Solidarity had been through an election um, whereby they were, were, it wasn't a completely free vote, but they did get a significant number of seats in gov. Well, in in the parliament. Um, so they were legalized, and you know, on their way to, you know, the first free election in in Poland,
1: right? Because I have remembered that after I returned to the states, and I think it was the fall of nineteen ninety that. You know, one of the people who lived in the same dorm as I at Boston University was actually from Poland, and he was all excited about the 1st free re-election in Poland. I remember that at, there was some serious drinking that, that particular evening. It was, oh, yes, we're having an election.
0: because. Okay. Surely not more vodka, Gillian. Surely oh, no. not.
1: No, there was not more vodka drunk. No, 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 no. <laughs>
0: but there's a, there's a theme continuing throughout this yes, chat, Gillian.
1: Yes, <laughs> well, because in Eastern Europe, that seemed to be what was there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm only, yeah, so I'm only kidding you.
1: You know, it's the case all right. Yes. There's vodka, and, you know, the, the other running joke was that was the only thing that actually made the orange juice from Odessa at all palatable after, I'd say, about 4 o'clock the afternoon. It was, you know, I need something to drink. Yeah. Well, there's orange juice. Uh, the only way to make that orange juice drinkable. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: um, when, when you were in Poland, did you sense a difference in the atmosphere? Um the versus East Germany.
1: Oh absolutely. I mean people spoke more freely to us. There was less of their of an inclination to completely toe a party line. It was either Gdansk or right outside Gdansk and people had bought all manner of music. The tables were groaning with food. And everybody there was speaking freely about all manner of stuff, ranging from politics, books they'd read, films they saw, talk about the arts, uh, just arts, literature, you name it. That was part of the conversation, and nobody felt inhibited. Because I remember even in some of the bars and restaurants that we went to in East Germany, there was always that look over the shoulder before somebody started talking. It was almost as though it was a reflex. Like, well, let me see who's in this room first, and then I'll start talking.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I'm sensing from from you that the f- was the food better in Poland, or only if you could get black market?
1: If you could get black market food, food was was much better. Uh, if you were getting food out of a normal regular market not so much and so the thing was when we were about to go to the party in Gdansk because we knew we wanted to bring something we went to the black market we went ahead and we picked up vegetables and fruits uh, you know everything else that we needed to bring to this party from the black market The only thing we didn't buy at the black market, strangely enough, was bread. Because the bread in Poland that you bought at just the regular shop was excellent. Go figure. And the bread was like five zlotys, which at that point was practically nothing.
0: (laughs) Well, if you enjoyed Gillian's story, I'm delighted to say there's more. Uh, We'll be talking to her in future episodes. And uh, I'll just keep you in a state of suspense about what the contents of that might be if you like what you're listening to do join our facebook discussion group where there's loads of cold war information and further discussions with our guests just search cold war conversations in facebook and we're also on twitter at cold war pod lastly if you like what you're hearing do leave reviews on iTunes. It really helps me to get some great guests and helps spread the word around the podcast. Thank you very much for listening and supporting us. It is really appreciated. Goodbye. Not enjoying the ads? Well, you can avoid them by going to coldwarconversations.com slash donate by becoming a monthly or annual supporter You'll enjoy ad-free listening, become a part of our community, receive the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster, and bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com donate for more information.